let's revisit our top story. Now, as many of you have heard, uh, last week Nanaimo became the latest Canadian city to ban natural gas uh, in new construction. What it means for Nanaimo is that natural gas won't be allowed as a primary heating source in new homes and new buildings. Now, the motion passed in a 5-4 vote after what can be best described as a uh, best described as a contentious debate. Now, will we see more cities follow Nanaimo's lead? Well, joining me now to talk a little bit about that is Catherine Harrison. She is a political science professor at the University of British Columbia who studies climate policy. Catherine, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Well, first and foremost, your reaction to uh, the decision last week by Nanaimo City Council uh, to move forward uh, to uh, eventually ban natural gas as a primary heating source. Your thoughts? I, I think it's a great move by Nanaimo, and we are seeing similar action by other cities in Canada and in the U.S. It's moved to the state level um, in New York State, uh, being the, the big one to fall. So I think it's an important thing because if we're going to meet our climate targets, we need to electrify space and water heating. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Nanaimo, a fast-growing city, Victoria, uh, Saanich, another one. Um, recently, uh, the city of Richmond um, uh, advocated for a much faster and more aggressive movement away from natural gas at the Metro Vancouver board level. Do you think this this can be replicated uh, at the Metro Vancouver board level, simply because, you know, you're talking about, you know, a region with two and a half million people growing at about 100,000 people uh, a year, representing 55% of uh, British Columbia's population. Can what's happening in Nanaimo and Victoria be replicated at a region-wide level in Metro Vancouver in your mind? I hope so. Um, and I think we have to try. Uh, there's there are certain things in in order to meet our greenhouse gas emission standards that are the low-hanging fruit, that are the first steps that need to be taken. And shifting from gas furnaces to electric heat pumps is one of them, but especially doing so for the new builds, new construction that is going to last for decades and lock in reliance on fossil fuels is the the very lowest hanging of the lowest hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. We did have uh, Fortis BC on our program yesterday. They, uh, as one would expect, were disappointed by what occurred in Nanaimo. Uh, The issue of renewable gas, natural gas that they tout, uh, do you buy it? No, I don't. Um, I mean, renewable gas exists. Um, I, I, I tend to distinguish between fossil gas and renewable gas, mm-hmm. um, but renewable gas exists, but it is not plausible that it will exist on the scale that we need to decarbonize, decarbonize our space and hot water heating. Mm-hmm. To the extent it is part of the path going forward, mm-hmm. sorry, we've got noise in the background here, um, to the extent it's part of the path going forward, um, the best use for that renewable gas is going to be in industrial applications, particular um, industrial needs where that fuel makes most sense. Where we've got cheaper alternatives is in um, home space and water heating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, one of the uh, other issues um, that uh, I've certainly heard of in the last year or so, and perhaps as a commentary on our federal um, conversation that's occurring between uh, the government and and the opposition, um, uh, and that has been around uh, climate change and the ability for citizens to deal with some of these changes. This natural gas announcement uh, from Nanaimo yesterday, we got a lot of calls, and one, as one would expect, 
uh, a lot of conversation around the fact that, uh, you know, uh, I am not going to give up my natural gas stove and, and many other things like that. Uh, the, the conversation I think many people are also having is, look, with carbon tax and with these kinds of changes that we're talking about here, do you think government may be moving a little too fast compared to what the public want to see, whether it be costs or carbon tax or whether or not we're talking about banning natural gas? Do you think we potentially may be moving a little too fast on this? I really don't. Um, Whether that's what the public supports, I think, remains to be seen. I think one of the big challenges with climate change is that it is human nature to compare actions to the status quo. Um, A heat pump might initially cost me more money than a gas furnace. It's less familiar. I think over the life of it, it will actually be cheaper. But, you know, it, it scares people at first and they think, well, I'm better off now. But we're not in that world anymore. We now face a choice between taking actions along with other jurisdictions to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and move towards net zero or living in a much less safe world. And this summer, with the scale of wildfires 2021, with the the extreme heat deaths, is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to get worse. And so we need to choose between pretty modest costs today or much worse costs. And I think that's that's a choice most people don't realize we're in because it's just it's human nature to think, well, I'm doing okay right now and I'd like to stick with that. But Mm -hmm. our kids won't be. And you're seeing that at the policy level beyond the examples I gave there. I know in New Westminster and a few other uh, city councils have talked about making cool, uh, landlords responsible for providing cooling just as they're responsible for providing heating, especially in the summer months. And it was voted down at the lower mainland um, government's association meeting. But um, one assumes that will once again be brought forward uh, because it is an issue that is uh, clear and present at the moment. In the broader conversation, do you think the will is there for government to continue to to bring these kinds of changes forward? Because uh, well, when I hear from my, my listeners, and I hear from any other, other shows that I listen to, there is pushback as well to this, that you're moving too quickly. Carbon tax is just one thing, but we're moving way too quickly compared to other nations that should be taking up uh, perhaps uh, a heavier load, China's, the India's, the United States, and parts of Europe as well. Um, Well, (laughs) China's emissions per person are about half or less than half of Canada's. Mm -hmm. Canada's historical emissions per person are the highest in the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is absolutely the case that the big economies like China and India need to be taking action too. And, And that's one of the things the Paris Agreement did that was different than the Kyoto Protocol. It brought the developing countries in, but it's also totally understandable for them to say, we're not going to impose extreme costs on our residents, many of whom don't even have electricity, unless we see some goodwill actions from the wealthy countries that cause this problem. And, you know, 30 years ago, we could say, gee, we didn't know. But since 1990, we have known that we've been contributing to this problem in a disproportionate way. So I think unless countries like Canada, the U.S., the European Union, Australian show that we're serious about taking action, we're kidding ourselves if we think low-income countries with much lower emissions, which are more vulnerable to Mm -hmm. the harms that we've caused, are going to fix the problem. Uh, just a couple more questions. So if we do electrify, if we move away from natural gas, which means we'll rely greater greater 
greater need for electricity. Site C is one issue uh, that we've debated for a very long time. We did move forward with it uh, tremendously over budget, but it's there. And I think it's supposed to power 450,000 homes and greater need for EVs and all that sort of thing. Where would this future power come from? Because to replace natural gas, it'd be significant amount of need for more uh, uh, electricity. Replacing oil and coal, significant need for more electricity. Mm-hmm. Would we need to somewhere along the way start looking at nuclear as well? Because we there's only so many hydroelectric dams you can build, and they're difficult enough as it is because of the broad public policy and environmental implications when we do build them. We see that with Site C. Where does this future power come from, and what is that future power? Yeah, um, we are the um, the Canadian Climate Institute, which is a, a think tank, mm-hmm. um, Canada's leading climate policy think tank, uh, did a series of big reports last year about our, our clean electricity needs as a country and also had some... Um, you know, provincial uh, stories. And basically across the country, we're going to need to at least double um, in some jurisdictions, triple our clean electricity capacity. Um, That's going to come partly from hydro, things like run of river hydro, but it's also going to increasingly come from solar and wind, things we haven't invested in very much yet in British Columbia because we've had abundant clean electricity. So I think that's what will be coming next. Um, and we're going to have to invest in that. I think there's some good questions whether the best use of our clean electricity is um, powering fossil fuel production and export, which is what Site C is going to be used for disproportionately to um, to you know expand exports of natural gas in the form of LNG. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we're absolutely going to need more clean electricity. Um, but that's as I see it, we just don't have a choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Either we go down this path that is a pretty horrific one for humankind, or mm-hmm. we start planning far in advance, thinking about what needs to be done, getting the permitting done in partnership and certainly consultation with First Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one other thought I would make on the, the space heating is the thing about heat pumps is that they also provide cooling. So they're this kind of rare policy that is both a climate mitigation policy, but also um, an adaptation policy. It can save lives um, in the short term because it can provide very um, highly efficient cooling. And But that's going to use electricity, too. Well, it is going to, a lot of big policy decisions moving forward. I mean, you do talk about the, the challenge before us, and part of it is just finding the right policy solution, and the type of energy we'll need as well. Lots to talk about, uh, that's for sure, on this issue. Ms. Harrison, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome.